Hello, this is Rob Fournette with the podcast HodgePod, and welcome. We're going to go back 37 years to January 28, 1986. The Challenger Space Shuttle was taking off and exploded 73 seconds into its launch. It has been stated, though, at the time, 47 million people viewed the launch and the horrible tragedy to follow. Shuttle launches were a big deal in the 1980s with live coverage, and it was always must-watch television. CNN was the only cable news channel, and then there were the big three networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC. So this episode today, we're going to cover the excitement leading up to the launch, a civilian who happened to be a teacher who would be in space, and the anticipation was there as well as the excitement. We're going to look at the news coverage of the tragedy and how it was relayed back that fateful day. Here we see the uh, 51L crew enjoying breakfast. Mission Specialist Ellison Onizuka sitting beside uh, teacher in space participant Krista McAuliffe. And uh, they are posing for their traditional uh, shot during their breakfast. And uh, then we have... Uh, Commander Dick Scobie uh, sitting beside uh, pilot Mike Smith in front of the traditional cake featuring Halley's Comet and an uh, apple for the teacher. Judy Resnick on the left, mission specialist, along with Ron McNair and payload specialist Greg Jarvis. The Challenger shuttle mission was tabbed 51L. It was to be the 10th flight for the Challenger and the 25th overall for the space shuttle fleet. This was a special mission for many reasons. One was to launch two satellites and retrieve them a couple of days later after studying Halley's Comet. And the second was Krista McAuliffe, teacher from Concord, New Hampshire, high school social studies teacher who would be in space as the first civilian. She would give a tour of the Challenger shuttle during orbit and talk about Newton laws of chromatography, effervescence, and liquid all in zero gravity, the law of motion. The crew was a very seasoned crew as well. Commander Richard Scobie, Pilot Michael J. Smith, Mission Specialist Ronald McNair, Mission Specialist Ellison Onizuka, Mission Specialist Judith Resnick, and Payload Specialist Gregory Jarvis. This is shuttle uh, launch control at T-minus 2 minutes, 28, I mean 2 hours, 28 minutes and counting. Here comes the uh, 51L flight crew boarding the elevator uh, for the second time in two days, ready to depart the ONC building for the launch pad. And they'll ride down the uh, three floors to the main level where they will uh, exit the ONC building, traditionally met by the members of the media who are uh, standing by waiting to uh, document. And this is the work crew here that uh, has been uh, very active in uh, preparing the 51L mission at the Operations and Checkout Building. The payloads, which include a TDRS satellite, the Spartan Halley experiment. And here comes the flight crew now. Commander Dick Scobie, followed by Mission Specialist Judy Resnick, Ron McNair, Pilot Mike Smith, followed by Krista McAuliffe, teacher in space, Ellison Onizuka, and payload specialist Greg Jarvis. Big smiles today, confidently getting into the van. McAuliffe was the social studies teacher from Concord, New Hampshire, Concord High School. She would have been the payload specialist as part of the mission. 
and it was part of the Teacher in Space Project. So what was the Teacher in Space Project? It was a program with the blessing from President Ronald Reagan in 1984, and the project was to inspire students, honor teachers, while expanding interest in mathematics, science, and exploration in space. What's extraordinary, 11,000 people applied for this honor. McAuliffe was chosen among 10 finalists, and quite a ceremony the year before, 1985, July 19th, 1985 to be exact, from the White House in the Roosevelt Room, Vice President George Bush announced the winner. And the winner, the teacher who will be going into space, Krista McAuliffe. Where is, is that you? <laughs> Krista teaches in Concord High School in Concord, New Hampshire. She teaches high school uh, social studies. She's been teaching for 12 years. She plans to keep a journal of her experiences in space. Uh, she said that, and here's the quote, just as the pioneer travelers of the Conestoga wagon days kept personal journeys, I, as a space traveler, would do the same. Well, I'm personally looking forward to uh, reading that journal someday. And here was Krista McAuliffe speaking right after Vice President George Bush. It's, it's not often that a teacher is at a loss for words. I know my students wouldn't think so. I've made nine wonderful friends over the last two weeks. And when that shuttle goes, they might be one body. <laughs> but there's going to be ten souls that I'm taking with me. Thank you. That's great. The training for astronauts is intense, as it was back in 1986. There are so many people behind the scenes that help with preparing, measuring the training that they do. And had there not been the tragedy, McAuliffe would have toured the country speaking of her time in space. It would have been awesome to hear about her experience, but that never happened. People remember where they were for certain tragic events. People will remember where they were when John F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1963. Or when Elvis died in 1977. Princess Diana died in 1997. And I remember where I was during the Challenger disaster in 1986. I was at my college radio station working at it. The launch had gone off. UPI was covering the launch on our feed at the radio station. The launch was perfect. And then all of a sudden, dead silence. Something had gone wrong. We were stunned. And people were in the hallway coming in to the radio station. It was quite stunning. And to this day, I still remember it like it was yesterday. The news reports back in 1986 of that fateful day are covered here in this episode from CBS Radio at the time. So let's give this a listen. It is quite extraordinary, the coverage. And liftoff, liftoff of the 25th Space Shuttle mission, and it has cleared the tower. Pieces of ice tumble off as the coldest space shuttle launch ever gets underway. Challenger seems to shake herself free of the ice and goes. All five rocket engines burning well. The first teacher, Krista McAuliffe, on her way to space with six other astronauts on board. We'll be hearing shortly from John Lawrence in Houston. into a beautiful blue sky, crystal clear weather here in Florida, although it's very cold. Everything going well. 
Hundreds of school kids jumping up and down and cheering as this space shuttle takes off with teacher Krista McAuliffe on board. And that means the engines are running well. Two and a half minutes into the flight, the solid rocket boosters will drop away and we should be able to see it. What's happened? What happened? Still going. Vic, did something strange happen then? Something is gone amiss. Something is wrong. We have a problem. Nothing from mission control, but I could see pieces of something falling off the side as if one of the solid rocket boosters had come away early, Bob. It's still climbing. The shuttle is still climbing, but there is a problem. There appears to be a serious problem. What's happening? Not a word from mission control. Everybody here is open now. Controllers here looking very carefully at the situation. Where is the shuttle, Vic? Can Not you see it? Major malfunction. Now, direct from CBS News, this radio net alert bulletin. This is Christopher Glenn at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. There is a major problem which developed just a few seconds into the flight. We could see it happen. There seemed to be some kind uh, of, a, uh, of, a, of an explosion aboard the rocket. And all of a sudden, all communication with the spacecraft was lost. Obviously, it is going nowhere at this point. It looks as if debris is falling out of the sky. It almost appeared as if one of the... Uh, solid rocket boosters or one of the spacecraft main engines went awry and something happened. Unbelievable coverage. We're now going to go to KNBC at the time in Los Angeles. They were broadcasting live. Listen to this broadcast. It is quite extraordinary too. The composure of this TV anchor is really unbelievable. This is a special report from Channel 4 News. Good morning, I'm Ken Shocknick in Space Shuttle Challenger. It's just a few seconds away from blasting off from the Kennedy Space Center near Cape Canaveral, Florida. Let's take a look right now. Challenger finally getting ready to leave KSC. It's launch delayed a couple of times because of weather and mechanical problems. T-minus 15 seconds. The voice of launch control, Hugh Harris of NASA. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. We have main engine start, four, three, two, one, and liftoff. Liftoff on the 25th Space Shuttle mission, and it has cleared the tower. Challenger going into its roll. That's planned. Spiral away from pad 39B, the first use of pad 39B since the old Apollo days and the Skylab missions. It's chilly in Florida. Icicles formed on the pad overnight. NASA it's engineers are concerned that now. they might have broken off during the launch and affected the throttle, fragile uh, heat protection tiles that protect the shuttle on its way back in during re-entry. We'll throttle down to uh, 65% shortly. Don't know what the effect might be just yet. The astronauts will take a look later on during the mission. Engines at 65%, three engines uh, running normally, three good fuel cells, three good APUs. APUs, the... Auxiliary power units. 2,257 feet per second. Altitude 4.3 nautical miles. Downrange distance 3 nautical miles. It's always amazing to hear how quickly the shuttle moves. It's already more than 4 miles downwind as we just heard. throttling up. 3 engines now at 104%. Challenger, go and throttle up. Challenger, go and throttle up. This shuttle mission will launch 
My God. One minute fifteen. There's been an explosion. Velocity twenty nine hundred feet per second. Altitude nine nautical miles. Downrange distance seven nautical miles. This is not standard. This is not something that is planned, of course. I can see a solid rocket booster has broken away from Shuttle Challenger. That's what you're looking at in the middle of your screen. I cannot see the shuttle itself. I don't know if it's able to continue on one rocket booster. If it's able to jettison that rocket booster, it will be able to return to the Kennedy Space Center, perhaps. The shuttle engines are not enough to power the shuttle back down. It would have to shut down. looking very carefully at the situation. Obviously a major malfunction. I hope they were able to survive. I hope the we astronauts... We have no downlink. We have absolutely no sign at all of the shuttle itself. All we saw was that one explosion only about a minute into the flight. And we saw the solid rocket booster. Now here's something coming down. I don't know what that is. I don't think that that's the shuttle. I believe that's a piece of debris that's coming back earthbound. I don't know. It's too small for the shuttle itself. Pieces falling out of the sky in the Florida morning. It's about 20 till noon in Florida. There are contingency plans for the shuttle when something does go wrong, when something goes terribly we wrong. We have a report from the flight dynamics officer that the vehicle has exploded. Flight director confirms that. We are looking at uh, checking with the recovery forces to see uh, what can be done at this point. 8.40, and we hear from launch control, the vehicle has exploded. That's the orbiter itself, the shuttle Challenger, has exploded. We Contingency procedures are in effect. Uh, assume that the crew is not alive. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That was KNBC in Los Angeles. And here's another one from ABC. Good morning, everyone. There appears to have been a very serious accident involving the Space Shuttle Challenger. The launch took place just a few minutes ago, a few moments ago, from Cape Canaveral. It had been delayed four times. It appeared to be a good launch at the point of departure from the pad at Cape Canaveral. There had been, as we said, previous delays of four different attempts. This was the fourth one. It had been delayed a couple of hours by ice, by a faulty gauge. Then it appeared everything was good for a launch. But shortly after the launch, there was an explosion. We have a tape now, a replay of the launch of the shuttle Challenger this morning. This was shortly after the launch, which took place shortly after 11.30 Eastern Time. It appeared that all was going well until there was a massive explosion in space. NASA has confirmed that there was an explosion with the capsule, the shuttle itself. Aboard this flight, of course, the first teacher in space, Krista McAuliffe from New Hampshire, also aboard the flight. Pilot Mike Smith, Commander Dick Scobie. Judy Resnick, and there it is. There you see that massive explosion in space. Obviously a very serious accident. That was uh, ABC News. Steve Bell from ABC News uh, giving a recap of the Challenger disaster. After reading more and more about the crew, there was a backup candidate for NASA's teacher in space program, and her name was Barbara Morgan. 
After the ill-fated shuttle launch, Morgan continued to work with NASA's education division, and in 1998, she was selected to train to become a mission specialist. So in 2007, she became the first teacher to travel to space aboard the Space Shuttle Endeavor. While doing some research with this Challenger uh, space shuttle, here are some unbelievable facts before the explosion. The Challenger had nine successful missions prior to January 28, 1986. It had compiled 62 days, 7 hours, 56 minutes, and 22 seconds in space. Challenger conducted the first spacewalk on April 7, 1983. It had orbited the Earth 1,000 times, and while in space for a total of 62 days from previous missions, it had traveled almost, get this number, 26 million miles. Shuttle Commander Francis Scobie and Mission Specialist Ronald McNair also flew on Challenger in 1984. Judith Resnick and Ellison Onizuka were crew members in 1984 and 85, respectively. So here is Ronald Reagan, the night of the tragedy. He was to give the State of the Union address at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. So he did not do that. He gave an address to the nation, which really was only four minutes, but yet it captured the sentiment and the mourning for the Challenger crew that night. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd planned to speak to you tonight to report on the State of the Union. But the events of earlier today have led me to change those plans. Today is a day for mourning and remembering. Nancy and I are pained to the core by the tragedy of the shuttle Challenger. We know we share this pain with all of the people of our country. This is truly a national loss. Nineteen years ago, almost to the day, we lost three astronauts in a terrible accident on the ground. But we've never lost an astronaut in flight. We've never had a tragedy like this. And perhaps we've forgotten the courage it took for the crew of the shuttle. But they, the Challenger 7, were aware of the dangers, but overcame them and did their jobs brilliantly. We mourn seven heroes. Michael Smith, Dick Scobie, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Gregory Jarvis, and Krista Mikulov. We mourn their loss as a nation together. The families of the seven... We cannot bear, as you do, the full impact of this tragedy. But we feel the loss, and we're thinking about you so very much. Your loved ones were daring and brave, and they had that special grace, that special spirit that says, give me a challenge, and I'll meet it with joy. They had a hunger to explore the universe and discover its truths. They wished to serve, and they did. They served all of us. We've grown used to wonders in this century, it's hard to dazzle us. But for 25 years, the United States space program has been doing just that. We've grown used to the idea of space, and perhaps we forget that we've only just begun. We're still pioneers. They, the members of the Challenger crew, were pioneers. And I want to say something to the school children of America who were watching the live coverage of the shuttle's takeoff. I know it's hard to understand, but sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. The Challenger crew was pulling us into the future, 
and we'll continue to follow them. I've always had great faith in and respect for our space program. And what happened today does nothing to diminish it. We don't hide our space program. We don't keep secrets and cover things up. We do it all up front and in public. That's the way freedom is, and we wouldn't change it for a minute. We'll continue our quest in space. There will be more shuttle flights and more shuttle crews, and yes, more volunteers, more civilians, more teachers in space. Nothing ends here. Our hopes and our journeys continue. I want to add that I wish I could talk to every man and woman who works for NASA or who worked on this mission and tell them your dedication and professionalism have moved and impressed us for decades, and we know of your anguish. We share it. There's a coincidence today. On this day, 390 years ago, the great explorer Sir Francis Drake died aboard ship off the coast of Panama. In his lifetime, the great frontiers were the oceans, and a historian later said he lived by the sea, died on it, and was buried in it. Well, today, we can say of the Challenger crew, their dedication was, like Drake's, complete. The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us for the manner in which they lived their lives. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them, this morning, as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye and slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Thank you. The temperature in the Florida Peninsula at the time of the launch was in the 20s near the launch pad. And this is an excerpt from the Wall Street Journal, January 27, 2023. And this is the excerpt from the paper. The National Aeronautics and Space Administration was preparing the Space Shuttle Challenger for launch on the morning of January 28, 1986. It was an unusually cold morning for Cape Canaveral, Florida. Too cold, warned the engineers of NASA contractor Morton Theocall, builder of the shuttle's solid rocket motors. The engineers knew that the rubber O-rings on the rocket could become brittle in cold weather, causing hot fuel gases to leak and potentially causing an explosion. They were right. 73 seconds after liftoff, the shuttle with seven astronauts on board, including teacher Krista McAuliffe, blew up. The night of January 28th on ABC World News Tonight with Peter Jennings, the newscast led off with this. The space shuttle Challenger is destroyed just a little more than one minute after liftoff. One minute, 15 seconds. Velocity, 2,900 feet per second. Altitude, 9 nautical. All seven astronauts on board are killed. From ABC, this is World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. Tonight, reporting from Washington. It is the worst disaster in the history of the American space program, and President Reagan has declared a week of mourning for the seven astronauts, five men and two women, who lost their lives on their way into space this morning. Now, we know that many of you have heard the news many hours ago and may even have seen some of our extended coverage this afternoon. But many others of you, we surmise, have been at work, and thus we're going to spend virtually our entire broadcast this evening on what is not only a crushingly sad day for families, friends, and colleagues of the astronauts, but also an enormous shock to the manned space program, which before today had gone so well. Never before have American lives been lost in flight. We will try to answer many of your questions, but as of this evening, many questions remain unanswered. 
We begin at Cape Canaveral with ABC's John Quinones. They gathered for what turned out to be their last meal at 6.48 this morning, the ceremonial breakfast. For months, they had trained together. Astronaut Allison Onizuka from Hawaii, the star of this mission, New Hampshire school teacher Krista McAuliffe, mission commander Dick Scobie, pilot Michael Smith, astronauts Judith Resnick and Ronald McNair, and payload specialist Gregory Jarvis. After three days of delays, they appeared tired, but quickly rejuvenated by applause as they headed for the launch pad. Scobie, followed by mission specialist uh, G. Resnick, Ron McNair, uh, pilot Mike Smith, followed by Krista McAuliffe, teacher in space, and, uh, Ellison Onizuka, and payload specialist Greg Jarvis. Final preparations before liftoff. The ground crew gives McAuliffe an apple, an apple for the teacher, and wishes of good luck. Initially, liftoff was scheduled for 9.38 this morning, but again there were problems. A hard freeze overnight left ice on the launch pad, a two-hour delay. And then NASA discovers a faulty fire detector on board the shuttle. Another hour's delay while it's replaced. Finally, the liftoff was set for 11.38. A crowd of some 500 spectators, including 18 visiting school children from McAuliffe's hometown of Concord, New Hampshire, waited anxiously and then counted down. appeared flawless. The spectators, including Krista McAuliffe's parents, Grace and Edward Corrigan, watched proudly through tears of joy. 65 seconds into flight, NASA Control orders Commander Scobie to go to full power. Challenger, go and throttle up. Challenger, go and throttle up. Suddenly, an explosion. Flight controllers here looking very carefully at the situation. Obviously a major malfunction. NASA loses all communication with Challenger, but the crowd still does not realize that something's gone wrong. Within seconds, Challenger disintegrates. We have a report from the flight dynamics officer that the vehicle has exploded. For the spectators and Krista McAuliffe's parents, joy turns to confusion, worry, and a realization of tragedy. The $1.2 billion spaceship, its seven crew members, and their satellite payload disappear. I thought the flight was going fine. And then I heard them say, major malfunction. And then the person beside me said, it's exploded. And it was... I couldn't speak. It was... Within minutes, emergency rescue teams parachuted in, converging on a search area 18 miles east of Cape Canaveral. Debris continued to fall uh, for 50 minutes and more, and obviously you can't send aircraft and uh, ships into an area where debris is falling, where they, may, they themselves may be endangered. Late this afternoon, after six hours of searching, NASA reports they found no survivors. These searches have not revealed any evidence that the crew of Challenger survived. Tonight, NASA and Cape Canaveral are in mourning. Tonight at Cape Canaveral, Vice President George Bush, accompanied by Senators Jake Garn and John Glenn, both former astronauts, expressed the nation's condolences to the families of the astronauts. Bush had a special message for American school children. 
you must try to understand that spirit, bravery, and commitment are what make not only the space program, but all of life worthwhile. We must never, as people in our daily lives or as a nation, stop exploring, stop hoping, stop discovering. We must press on. John Quinones, ABC News, Cape Canaveral. What an extraordinary sway of emotions from exhilaration and joy to utter horror and disbelief. And also, about half a year before that, in 1985, Vice President George Bush, remember, announced Krista McAuliffe as the winner of the Teacher in Space Project. And here are the members of the Challenger Space Shuttle. Richard Scobie, Commander. Michael J. Smith, Pilot. Ronald McNair, Mission Specialist. Ellison Onizuka, Mission Specialist. Judith Resnick, Mission Specialist. Gregory Jarvis, Payload Specialist. And Krista McAuliffe would have been a Payload Specialist. She would have been the first civilian, and she was also a teacher from Concord, New Hampshire. Thank you very much for listening to this episode in honor of those who died in the Challenger disaster.